as I read God's word from Philippians 1 through 25. Philippians 1, 1 through 25. This letter is from Paul, a prisoner for preaching the good news about Christ Jesus and from our brother Timothy. I'm writing to Philemon, our beloved co-worker, and to our sister Epiphia, and to our fellow soldier Archippus, and to the church that meets in your house. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. I always thank my God when I pray for you, Philemon, because I keep hearing about your faith in the Lord Jesus and for your love for all of God's people. And I am praying that you will, be, that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. Your love has given me much joy and comfort, my brother, for your kindness has often refreshed the hearts of God's people. That is why I am boldly asking a favor of you. I could demand it in the name of Christ because it is the right thing for you to do. But because of our love, I prefer simply to ask you, consider this as a request from me, Paul an old man, and now also a prisoner for the sake of Christ Jesus. I appeal to you to show kindness to my child Onesimus. I became his father in the faith while here in prison. Onesimus hasn't been of much use to you in the past, but now he is very useful to both of us. I am sending him back to you, and with him comes my own heart. I wanted to keep him here with me while I am in these chains for preaching the good news, and he would have helped me on your behalf. But I didn't want to do anything without your consent. I wanted to help because you were willing, not because you were forced. It seems you lost Onesimus for a little while so that you could have, have him back forever. He is no longer like a slave to you. He is more than a slave, for he is a beloved brother, especially to me. Now he will mean much more to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, welcome him back as you would welcome me. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it, and I won't mention that you owe me your very soul. Yes, my brother, please do me this favor for the Lord's sake. Give me this encouragement in Christ. I am confident as I write this letter that you will do what I asked and even more. One more thing. Please prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that God will answer your prayers and let me return to you soon. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, sends you his greetings. So do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my co-workers. May the grace 
of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. God bless the reading of his word. Thank you, Vicki. Well, you all look wide awake this morning. <laughs> Got that extra hour of sleep? Uh, somebody posted on my Facebook uh, some instructions. Uh, if you are planning to set your clock back, you, you need a manual to do that on your stove in the kitchen. And you need uh, you know, your phone does it automatically, but then you don't realize that, so you set it further back, and then you're all messed up on that. And then, uh, you know, your car clock, they said, forget it. Six months later, it'll be back to what it should be. So, uh, When I decided to do the book of Philemon, I was not aware of how appropriate and how challenging and exciting it would be for me. I've always liked the book. It's always been a kind of a, a surprise as you read it, that you find so many new things. It's really a very, very small book. 335 words in Greek. But it is so rich with some subtle implications and uh, you could write multiple messages from the book. For example, I heard a devotional back uh, some years ago just based on verse 6 where he says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you'll have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. And the devotional focused on the fact we were in, in evangelism training at the time, and so the focus was on sharing your faith. And the essential point that the fellow was making who was doing the devotional is that you really can't understand the depth of your faith and the significance of the grace of God until you start sharing it. And, you know, that's an interesting uh, thought, and it's one of the things that I've, I've discovered in this, in this book. Some phrases that jump out for me, at least for reflection and meditation, uh, verse 18, where Paul says, if, he's, you know, if he owes you anything, charge it to my account. Uh, boy, in terms of the theology of that, in terms of the substitutionary atonement and what Christ has done on our behalf, taking upon himself uh, the debt that we owe. And then in verse 11, where he says, he was useless to you, and now he has become useful. And whether you know it or not, that's a play on the name of Onesimus because the, the name of uh, Onesimus uh, means useful. And so he was not useful, but now he is useful. And there are many other sections in the book where you could stop and just spend a little time meditating. The book has not always been well-received, however. Some of the critics' assessment of it are kind of harsh. Somebody said the letter is trivial, insignificant, a mangled bit of edification, and a void of any kind of spiritual depth. It is moral teaching with no theological depth. Wow. I think they missed the point. Really, I think if you look at the letter as a whole, the purpose of Philemon was to give us a, a picture or a metaphor of redemption and to give us a sense of the power 
of what God's grace can do in the life of an individual. It shows us the subtle but certain impact of God's love when it touches an individual and his grace begins to transform. And this week as I was trying to put all these thoughts together, I was trying to find some sort of a hook or some way to organize this. And as I was sitting and reflecting on it, suddenly it came to me that really the easiest way to understand this and to kind of organize it is to look at the three characters of the book. And as you look at the three characters that are described in the letter, you begin to see how God's grace impacted each one of them. So let's dig in, and the main character probably is Onesimus. Onesimus was a slave, and we just need to build the storyline a little bit to understand. He was a slave who was belonged to Philemon, and he runs away from his master and flees from Laodicea or Colossae to Rome, which is about a thousand-mile trip. Uh, while in Rome, he comes into contact with the Apostle Paul, who is imprisoned there. And we know the story of how Paul ended up in prison in Rome. He had uh, appealed to Caesar when he was arrested in Jerusalem. And then he made his journey uh, by sea and shipwrecked and so forth, and finally ends up in Rome, and he's in prison. And Paul and Onesimus run into one another uh, in that prison, and through Paul's ministry, evidently, Onesimus becomes a Christian, and Paul now is sending him back to Philemon to make things right, and he sends this letter along with him. All of this story has a lot of holes in it, or to, uh, you know, areas where we could speculate, and a lot of questions that we would ask that perhaps we can't get clear answers to. But there have been scholars and preachers who've speculated. For example, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the great famous British preacher, in his message uh, begins to reflect a little bit. And he, he raises some questions about this story. For example, why did Onesimus run away? Was it because... Uh, he was mistreated by Philemon, and if so, Philemon, a believer, mistreating his slave? Uh, perhaps that's not the case. Perhaps he was a zealous follower of Jesus, and he made Onesimus the target of his evangelism. And so he was preaching to Onesimus over and over again, and Onesimus, not wanting to hear it, got tired of it and said, I've had enough, and leaves. Or perhaps it's simply the fact that Onesimus, as a slave, got tired of being a slave and uh, decided it was time for him to leave. And he simply took advantage of Philemon's loving kindness and his uh, spiritual uh, walk with the Lord, and he'd been treated with love and kindness, and he just simply took advantage of that. Some have suggested that when uh, Philemon left and ran away, he evidently robbed the uh, Philemon, and as a result, he owed Philemon money because of the fact that he had left. The other interesting question is, how did he end up uh, in contact with the Apostle Paul? 
did he get caught in Rome as a runaway slave and as a result of that get thrown in prison? We know that runaway slaves were treated pretty badly. Oftentimes they were branded on their forehead. Uh, sometimes they were imprisoned and perhaps he got caught. Perhaps as he has fled from Philemon and he ends up in Rome, he's probably uh, penniless and in deep trouble and as a vagrant perhaps got cut, uh, uh, arrested and thrown into, into prison. Uh, perhaps he had gotten so far down on his luck. But the interesting thing is he ends up next to Paul. Now here's where the story gets interesting because Paul had led Philemon to the Lord and now you have Philemon's slave, Onesimus, showing up in prison, and Paul introduces him to the gospel at this point, and he responds to the gospel. How surprising is it? How unlikely is it that Onesimus, who is Philemon's slave, shows up and is found by Paul who knows both of them. It shows the power of the sovereignty of the providential plan of God. Here is Onesimus running away. For whatever reasons, we're not sure, but he is running away and he runs right into the person who in the depth of his need introduces him to the Lord. Here's where you see the impact of God's grace. It begins from the time he leaves Philemon until he ends up in the prison. God is orchestrating the paths in his life to bring him to that point where he hears the message and is now ready to respond to it. And suddenly he realizes, because of what Christ has done in his life, that he is a new person and things have changed. You cannot run away from the love and the grace of God. It's no mere coincidence that Paul knew Philemon and that Onesimus made contact with him in Rome. Here's the impact of God's grace. Takes a person who's running away, who's perhaps got a sordid kind of past, and when he hears the gospel, it begins to change him, and he is willing at this point to go back and face the music with Philemon. Tremendous change in his life because he understood the love of God and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not only that, but if you trace out the history of Onesimus from this point on, you'll discover that it not only brought him back to Philemon to confront his past, but it transformed him into a minister that Paul says would be useful to me. And if you go, go to Colossians chapter 4, verse 9, Paul mentions Onesimus in, as one of his co-workers working with him. And according to history, the Ignatius, who was the bishop of Ephesus around 110 AD, refers to Onesimus as one who held the office of bishop in Ephesus. It may well be that this was the Onesimus that's a part of this story. Here's a man who's running away, who perhaps shortchanged his owner, and ends up 
being turned around and experiencing a whole different trajectory of life. There may be somebody here this morning who's an Onesimus. In fact, Martin Luther says, we are all Onesimuses. We've all been like Onesimus, running, refusing to hear the message in the Lord, as C.S. Lewis used to call it, who is the hound of heaven, chases us down. And we realize, I need God's grace, I need God's mercy, and that begins to soften my heart, change my direction of life. What an impact God's love and mercy made on Omnisimus. But that's the first character. Let's look at the second one, the Apostle Paul. Now, we know a lot about the Apostle Paul, but in this specific situation, I would submit to you that we discover the Apostle Paul who is impacted by God's grace in creating within him a heart to be a minister of reconciliation. God's grace makes him an agent willing to sacrifice his time and his energy to stand between Onesimus and Philemon. He's very large at heart, and he took up the case of this runaway slave. He could be involved in other things. Why would he take the time and the energy to work to bring reconciliation between Philemon and Onesimus. The text says he wrote this with his own hands. In other words, he took the time to be specifically and personally involved in this. We know in other, uh, other of his letters, he used a scribe or an amanuensis to, to write it, but here he decides to do it on his own. And look at the characteristics of someone who is an agent of reconciliation. Look at the characteristics that we find of the Apostle Paul. He approaches Philemon humbly and tenderly. He doesn't pull ranks. It's very interesting. If you look at verse 15, he says, uh, well, back up to verse 14, he says, uh, oh, let's go all the way back to 12. I'm sending him who is my very heart back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me that he uh, could take your place in helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do will be as spontaneous and not forced. In other words, he said, I want you to do this from your heart. I don't want you to do this simply because I'm pushing at you. And then he says in verse 15, perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was so that you might have him back for good, no longer a slave, but better than a slave, a dear brother. But he introduces this by saying, perhaps, maybe, maybe this is the reason. He doesn't presume that he knows what God was doing, but he understands that he needs to humbly suggest that this might be one of the ways. And then he says that he appeals on the basis of love. Uh, verse 8 and 9, he says, Therefore, although in Christ I could boldly order you to do what you ought to do, yet I appeal to you on the basis of love. Paul is trying to bring them together, and he understands that the only way he's going to be able to do that is if both the heart of Philemon and the heart of Onesimus are changed by the grace and the mercy of God. And that's the picture that we see. The Apostle Paul, willing to stand in the bridge to build on his prior relationship both with Philemon and 
with Onesimus. I've been thinking a lot these days about reconciliation because there's a lot of relationships that get broken because of the tensions in our society and in our culture. And I've been thinking about how important it is for people of God, people like the Apostle Paul, people like you and I, to become agents of reconciliation, to stand between people who have perhaps wronged one another, to stand between people who perhaps uh, have issues with one another and to be the one who draws them together and says, because of the love of God, can you bring yourself to come together? The Apostle Paul was created by God's grace and mercy to become an agent of reconciliation. And then the final character is Philemon. Here's a man who was a believer, but Paul is calling him to act out his faith in relationship to someone who had wronged him. And so the letter is a letter that speaks of forgiveness. Uh, The whole letter is about forgiveness, but notice that the word forgiveness never shows up. Forgiveness is taken action. C.S. Lewis says a Christian is to forgive the inexcusable because God has excused the inexcusable in me. Someone else says the church is never more like its Savior than when it offers redemption and restoration. That was a big step for Philemon. It was a countercultural step in that to let a slave go to release a slave was to go against the practices of the society around him. There would be other slave owners who were saying, what are you doing? If you treat your slave like this, it's going to cause other slaves to rebel. It's going to cause other problems in the culture and society. But the Apostle Paul encourages Philemon to take these risky steps of offering his slave freedom, perhaps, and to give him forgiveness. It's an interesting little statement in verse 16. He wants him to receive him back, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you both as a man and as a brother. Paul uses two reasons. He's a human being. Treat him like a human being who has the image of God stamped in him. But even more than that, he's more than simply a human being who who represents the image of God, but he is your brother now because of his relationship to the Lord. And so the grace of God in the life of Philemon transforms him. What an impact the love and the grace of God can make on an individual. Perhaps you this morning can look back into your own life and say, yep, I understand that. God's grace and God's mercy has changed me. Has he 
Has God's grace impacted you in such a way that it's brought about repentance of sin and willingness to make right where you've been wrong? To forgive those who may have wronged you? Are you willing to be an, act, uh, an agent of reconciliation, helping brothers and sisters who may be alienated from one another to come back into harmony and peace? Has God's grace made you willing to be countercultural, accepting others who may come from different socioeconomic backgrounds or who may have taken wrongful advantage? This is a powerful letter of forgiveness which is caused by understanding the power of God's grace and love for us. We may have been useless, but God's grace makes us useful. We may owe a deep debt, but God has forgiven our sins set us free so that we might be agents of forgiveness and reconciliation. What a story. And you know what? Had Philemon refused to accept Onesimus back, I doubt whether this would have been in the text of the Bible. It was because Philemon was willing to forgive that we have this beautiful portrait of what forgiveness based upon the grace and mercy of God looks like. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for reminding us again of your grace, your mercy, your long-suffering kindness to us. And we pray as we come to the table of the Lord, you would just remind us again the great debt that we owe. Soften our hearts by your love. In Jesus' name, amen.